chatting so we're running a couple of notes behind like we tend to do but um, we were talking about just the fact that you know I wanted Sarah to come on and talk to everyone just about her own journey from being a stay-at-home mom to you know starting her podcast running a business um, you know she has special needs children as well so that adds another layer of you know um extra, I guess, sometimes to the day, I guess would be a good way of saying that. I have also have all of my listeners know I have a, a son that's autistic. And I think that's the best way to describe it. It's just extra. It's not necessarily all the time good. It's not all the time bad. It's just more. I guess yeah. would be a way to say it, right? Yeah. So I, I would love you to kind of, you know, tell everybody, first of all, a little bit about your show. Because um, I'm sure, that, you know, they see Sarah Bradford, SJ Child. And they're like, what? <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Maria. It's such a pleasure, and I, I love connecting with you on whenever I can. So I appreciate that so much. Um, yeah, my name is Sarah. SJ Childs is my author and host name for my podcast. I am a children's book author of seven special needs children's books. And that was inspired, of course, by me having children with special needs uh, that range from ADHD, autism, dyslexia, and I really wanted to help share with my community how to better understand my kids and how to help my kids feel proud of who they are and the differences that they bring to the world rather than the differences that make them different, right? And so Absolutely. i that's how it really started. And like you said, I've been a stay-at-home mom now with my, um, my son was diagnosed when he was 16 months old. Um, 11 years ago. <laughs> so it's been a really long time. And during that process, you know, we did have schools that we went to. Uh, we had therapies that came. But overall, we really found that homeschool was the best fit for us, which, like you had said, you know, when you stay at home, especially for a decade, you lose sight. You lose sight of your um, being who you are outside of being a mom and outside of being a special needs parent. There's a, a force that comes with a special needs parent and advocating force that is always like on alert. <laughs> and yeah. so I think that it comes with a price of more patience and more, uh, like I said, kind of more alert of what do I need to prepare this child for, or how do I prepare the world for this child? So, so it's an interesting combination of things that, that 
come together. And then I was so lucky to be supported so much by other podcasters when I was promoting my books that said, you've got to do this, Sarah. This is great. You're great at this. You, you it's, I want to see you do your own show. And there came the SJ Child show. I wanted to really stick with the brand that I'd already created for the books. And through that, have been able to um, speak from, in fact, I just wrote something this morning that my podcast, you know, episodes range from potty training to the top 10 best college professors in the nation, Temple, Temple Grandin. So, yeah. you know, it's just, there's, there's this huge um, amount of interest in all of it for parents, for individuals, for families, great education, great resources. And the most important part that I think we're really kind of focused on today is that through this and through podcasting, I found a new love and a new acceptance for myself that now I can share with others and say, you know, last September of 2018 or 19, possibly, you couldn't have told me that I would be in front of a camera and, you know, happy with it (laughs) because I was, you know, everybody has a little bit of fright and when they see themselves or hear themselves speak and it makes you cringe a little sometimes. And so it really took some practice to get over that. And I would find myself in the shower. Welcome to the SJ Child Show. You know, practicing all of the things I would say, beefing myself up and making myself feel like, okay, I, I can do this. I'm a real, you know, I can be a real podcaster, even though I've never done this before. And through that, you know, my family was so supportive, my husband the most supportive, and he really just saw the growth that I was having, the amazing um, opportunities and resources I was sharing with the community. And then I he started seeing me grow this community. And now, <clears throat> you know, my, my SJ Child show is over a thousand follows and it's just under a year. And I mean, that is just so heartwarming to me to think that that many people would believe in me. And then it's all just been organic growth. And, you know, you're also a part of my autism advocate support group on Facebook. And just um, over a year, we've built that to over 800 members as well. And such a beautiful, strong community that I find I can turn to in just like you saw yesterday, some of my darkest moments when I'm like questioned or you know, integrity, my reputation, everything was, was put on blast yesterday, if you will. And it really takes you back. And you're like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this with all of my heart intention for, to just share love, share, uh, positivity, you know, share my experiences with autism with the world. And so to have to kind of defend that you really takes you to a place where, um, kind of imposter syndrome, like, okay, am I, maybe I, maybe I'm not good. You know, maybe this isn't the best thing. Maybe this is the wrong place for me to be. That's ridiculous. <laughs> all of that, all of those things. But when you, when you start to build yourself up, you have to realize that not everyone's going to agree with the message you're giving number one. And I really love 
what you said to support me with that yesterday. I just really love it. And, you know, you can't back down to make other feel comfortable because you've built a reputation that is good for the community. And so thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for being so supportive and such a, a great friend and, um, you know, co-mom and podcaster to talk to you about those things. Well, and I think, you know, all of us have those moments, no matter how far that we've come, you know, and how many times that we've hushed those voices and we think we're, we think we're over it, right? We think we're through it and we understand things. There's going to be these moments, sometimes these people that creep in and make us question everything. And I think that's why it's so important. You mentioned, you know, your advocacy group. And I think that for whatever reason, I can say that word today, but I think that is, that has been a huge, I, I watch it. You know what I mean? I'm a learner yeah. most of the time and I'll hurt stuff and I'll say a few things here or there, but I love watching all that happen. Cause I, I know when I first got the diagnosis from my son, I felt like I was marooned on an Island by myself, you know what I mean? And I know so many parents now that get that diagnosis. Cause we've been on this journey now well, we've been on the journey since he was born, but we've been on the, he was not diagnosed until he was four and a half officially. Um, you know, when we get into all of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. another day, but that was ridiculous. But anyway, I, whenever I finally got the diagnosis, it was kind of one of those things that I just felt alone. You know, it yeah. was, you know, I, I had nobody really to turn to, to talk about it. And, you know, we've talked about this, I think a little bit before, just about, you know, the things sometimes that go on is you lose friends, you lose family members, you lose people in your lives. And it's not because they still don't love you. They do, but they don't know how to to help. They don't know what to do. So they do nothing, which, you know, is understandable when you take a step back, but at the same time, you feel alone. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know for the longest time, I, you know, was just focused on, I was in survival mode. We were all in survival Mm -hmm. mode. And, you know, so focusing on anything that I wanted to do or my dreams, my aspirations, there was, there was not a moment for that. I mean, getting a shower was like, oh my gosh, I got a shower today. This is a good (laughs) day. There was those moments, right? And, you know, I think, you know, Parents of neurotypical kids go through some of those moments too, I think. But what ends up happening is it's a shorter amount of time. You know, you think about the newborn phase, right? You're exhausted and you get no sleep and, you know, you don't get the shower and you forget to eat. You know, it's that <laughs> period of time for years. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so, and it's like you do, you lose your identity. And, you know, I know the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is because, you know, I know you know, and I know you've been through it on. I want to encourage other people out there, other mothers that are out there, you know, with special needs kids or just with kids in general, that, you know, it is okay to chase your own dreams. Mm-hmm. It is okay to do the things that you want to do. You could still be a great mom, a great significant other, a great daughter, a great all the things and still do the things that you want to do. And I yeah. always like to say, you know, for me doesn't mean against you. Mm, um, like and that. I think that is something that I, I, I ended up having to say to my husband, honestly, um, that, you know, for me, doesn't mean I'm against you. It just means it's for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, cause once you decide to start stepping into your own power and start stepping into the things that you want to do, and you've not really done that, that before, 
it makes people like, wait, what is going on? You know, and it can cause some tension, right? Like what you were talking about went on with you yesterday, you know, and I, you know, I think the protective friend of me is like, give me her number. I want her right now, (laughs) you know, but it's part of just, yeah, the human journey. Right. So, I mean, I just wanted to kind of share all that just to say, like, I am super proud of just what I've seen you accomplish just in the time that I have been, you know, and I think it's amazing. And the fact that somebody could question your heart on things, I don't understand that at all, but they came without facts and only opinions. And that was the problem. And it was a teeny tiny place. The sad part is it was in my hometown where I really, really thought I would get the support and love from those around me, but it just doesn't seem to be the case. And that happens. And honestly, yeah. that's actually usually what hurts us is the things that are closest to yeah. us. Yeah. Friends, that the family, truth? hometowns. <laughs> yeah. um, and and it's, it's fine. You have to, and I've been there and it's easier said than done, but like you, you just have to take the moment, feel the moment. Yeah. Cause I think it's important to acknowledge that it hurt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's okay. Yeah. And you know, that, and that's interesting because my husband kind of said the same thing. Like, this is a total stranger. This is someone who doesn't have any facts. They didn't obviously didn't search SJ Childs or they would have been proven wrong in two seconds, you know, but at the same time, they took so much time to write out such a lengthy paragraph. And I, it, it just, it, it shocked me, I guess, because I was on a really good high and I was, you know, just having a great day. And then I open up my page and I just, it, it just is like this slap in the face and this whoosh of air that is chilling. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And, you know, overall I ended up just leaving the group and realizing, Hey, just because like, I'm not going to continue to feed myself with bad negativity or, or people that don't, want to try to get to know me because people like you and the thousands of people and families that I help every single day, they know who I am. They know what my worth and my value. They know, they don't question, you know, and I kind of laughed to my husband. I said, you know, I I've been received with open arms from people around the world, yet people 25 miles away from me, uh, Maybe it's because, you know, they just don't have the experience to, 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 I don't know, be nice, <laughs> but really if, if you don't have anything nice to say, just kidding. Um, yeah. no, and uh, my you know, mom used to say it all the time and I still so say that. <laughs> I want to welcome people's opinions. I'm not trying to say, Hey, I'm over here giving information out. Everybody should like it. That's okay if you don't like it. It's okay if you don't understand it. Yeah. It was. It would have even been okay to say, you know, I don't really agree with this. However, it was an introduction to a group. I just introduced myself and waved and said hello. And it was like, wow, tore into. So anyways, enough of that. We'll put that behind us. Let it roll down the hill. And well, if, I do it. think it's important <laughs> to talk about because I think I a lot that. of us have been in that moment, you know what I mean? In that moment. And I can remember one moment that I had and it, it's more than stung. I was like in my head for a hot moment. I was yeah. ready to just quit. Yeah. You know, because I didn't like that feeling. I didn't exactly. want to have to defend myself, but you know, as I kind of thought about it, I realized that that, that was their problem. That was their yes. opinion. And that's fine. They can keep their opinion um, that I wasn't going to let it deter 
what I was doing and why I was doing it. And that, you know, and like I said, I think it's important that you do feel the moment that you feel the moment you acknowledge that there was hurt, there was pain involved with it. And then you pack it up and you put it away and you use it as a teaching tool. That's what I do now. I just, it's a podcast. <laughs> so you just end up making that just kind of part of your journey, part of your story. And, you know, I think for me, I've got to the point now, you know, in my forties that I've had enough of these experiences that, you know, I look back, I'm like, Oh, okay. All that bad stuff, that terrible stuff, the stuff that I was like, it's going to crush me. Those were the things that were actually defining me. Those were the things that were teaching me. Those were the things that have brought me to the place where I can do what I'm doing right now. And I think that's the same for you, you know, you, yeah. the, your books, your podcast, you know, your kits, which we can mention all your kits and stuff that you do yeah. as well. All of that stuff, all of the things that you've learned on this journey that you've had, it's led you to the moment that you've been able to do these things. Yeah. And, you know, this, even though it just happened yesterday, probably still a little wound there, you know, that'll become part of something that you will be able to use to become part of your story in the future as well. Yeah. And maybe I'll try to help my community a little bit more here in Utah because they seem like they might need some help. Yeah. And, you know, my motto and my purpose is to uh, rise by lifting others. And I believe in that fully. And I want to give, give, giving, give. And sometimes people that are like me, uh, constant givers, that can burn out. It can really, you know, take a toll and you constantly, you know, my husband always is always saying, when are you going to start charging for all of this free information you're giving out? <laughs> <laughs> and of course me, I'm like, no, it, they need it. They need the help. I need to lift them. I need to hold their hands. I need to hug them and, you know, let them know that it's okay and that there's resources and it's safe and, and things. And I don't have it within me to say, okay, 35 bucks charge, yeah. you know, <laughs> here's the credit card. Uh, then you can have the information for me. It's about sharing my journey because when I began this journey at just the same as you, there was a feeling of confusion and isolation and where do I go from here? And, you know, this isn't, no one else in my family, um, you know, has had a autism diagnosis. Like how do I navigate these waters? And I ended up reaching out to my ex sister-in-law who, and it's funny too, because, you know, exes, right? <laughs> I haven't spoke to my actual ex in 30 years, it feels like probably, but I talk to his parents and his sister every day, every day. Yeah. They're still a yeah. part of my life. You see pops, he always leaves messages in the, in the group. That's my ex-father-in-law who oh, literally tells me he loves me every single day. Like I... It is the most amazing, encouraging thing I've ever experienced to have this extra family just stepping in and supporting me. Because honestly, my family still struggles with autism, with how to help, with how to have the grandkids over and understand how to keep them busy or, you know, how to help them in a meltdown. And, and it's, so it's really isolated our family as well to a four person Island. You know, we yeah. just have the mom and dad and the two kids. And now we know that three of those four people 
all have autism as well. So yeah. it's now that I have this perspective, you know, my husband uh, was diagnosed six years ago. And once I was able to see from his perspective, his childhood experiences, you know, and then kind of put them over my child's, ex you know, my childhood, or excuse me, my child's experiences. And it's really interesting to see the accommodations that I've given this man almost over two decades and realizing, hey, I can offer those same kind of accommodations to my child. Like, I don't have to be the parent that comes in with only my principles in mind and only my desires in mind, you know, you and, and make them change to be with me. I need to be on their level and support them where they're at. And it's been a big eye opener, you know, from that, I, I think was really uh, a neat expression uh, of love for our whole family. And then about eight weeks ago, our 10-year-old daughter was diagnosed. And so I'm in my mind thinking, okay, now I've been looking at autism for two decades. I didn't see it until a decade ago. And now I have another daughter, 10 years old. I've been seeing it again and never noticed it until now. And so now I'm looking at, oh my gosh, well, what does female autism mean? What does that bring to the table? What are the things that people that the world that diagnoses are missing? What kind of things can I teach? How can I help, you know, help other girls to get their diagnosis early or to even when they're whatever age so that they can start understanding and help putting the pieces together for themselves? So let's talk about when we mentioned briefly about that you have these kits, which I'm sure yeah. nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do want to talk about <laughs> and, and the, the inspiration behind that and, yeah. you know, yeah. what, what the purpose for them. Well, to be honest, so there was a member in our group and her daughter is eight years old, I believe. They live here in Utah and she is nonverbal child very friendly, just sweet, sweet girl. And while they were driving one day, the daughter unbuckled her seatbelt at a red light, got out of the car, crossed the road and went to a stranger that was standing at the crosswalk. And the thing about um, Eliza is that she loves to give hugs. And so she went and she was hugging this stranger. Um, Unfortunately, the stranger had no experience, information, or education about autism and believed that this was a child kidnapping situation. So she then called the police, um, withheld the child from the mother. She, obviously the police came. They had, she had to prove that this was her child because who carries their eight-year-old child's ID with them? no yeah. one. And so it really hit me hard. Like this is there, there's gotta be something that can be done to prevent something like this. What could I, what could I do? What could I help? How could I be, you know, more of an assistance to this community? So I decided to create these, uh, autism vehicle safety kits. And what it is, is a sticker that goes onto the vehicle or the home that alerts emergency responders 
that a personal profile of a special needs child is in the car or next to the door and their needs are specifically written out. And if she would have had something like that, number one, she could have shared it with the woman to begin with. And then all of it would have been not necessary. And number two, if you are in that unfortunate situation where you're having to have emergency responders come to help you in any way, the more information they have, the better, the better they can assist your family. They can assist your child. They can, you know, be help themselves to know how to access, you know, the the communication for the child, for example. So in these kits, I have provided um, the, like I said, the alert sticker that says there's an emergency profile in the vehicle with this child's needs, the profile itself to fill out for the child or individual, um, a communication board for nonverbal communicators to be able to access, you know, if they need help. Um, some autistic, you know, they don't like to be touched. So there's a do not touch or is it okay to high five or a hug, you know, and so that they can try to help communicate in this situation. Also masks, earplugs, and a fidget toy for ease of that child's sensory um, overload that I'm probably sure is happening in, in that situation if that's occurring. So, and I, you know, I've been so, so lucky. We've done some fundraisers in the group and we've sent over a hundred kits out across the nation. Uh, and so now there's hopefully 100 families that have that access to a little bit more information for those emergency responders. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I mean, I know my, my child, that has autism is verbal. Um, he wasn't always verbal. That's a whole another story. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but he was not always verbal. I was told he wasn't going to be verbal, but he is verbal. But as you know, in high stress situations, they do tend to revert. And mm -hmm. even though half the time he doesn't stop talking, if he's severely stressed out, you can't get a word out of him. Yeah. So, I mean, I think those things are so important to have. And I think on also, and I know we've talked about this privately, that's a catalyst to opening up discussion with, you know, people in the area with, you know, first responders in the area, because, you know, obviously they're in that career of choice, not for the money. If you know anybody that's <laughs> in that, they're not going to tell you they got into that for the money. Yeah. They're, they're in that because they wanted to serve. They wanted to help. Right. Yeah. They wanted to be of service. And so, you know, giving them the ability to get that information, to get that extra training. And I know a lot of people, and I thought this begin with too, it's like, well, I don't have any formal training in autism. So, I mean, I can't talk about it. Okay. Let me say that for a minute. I have probably had more hours <laughs> as yeah. an autism mom than a lot of people get for their quote unquote formal training. And it's Seriously. not to say that professionals aren't important. They are. But, you know, you're only going to get a very, very small amount reading the books and doing the studies and doing the internships yeah. and all the things, you know, living a day to day, you notice things. And it's yeah. kind of the same thing. Like I know when I went to school for, you know, other things and then, you know, I learn it all and I'm like ready to go and I get into the real world. And I'm like, wait, this was not covered. <laughs> what is happening here? You know, it's kind of that same thing. So, you know, if you're out there now and you are a special needs parent, 
you know, I strongly encourage you to get a hold of Sarah. You know, I don't know if you're trying to do more fundraisers or like what's going to go on, but I personally would love to see, you know, this to this going into every area because, yeah. you know, there, there are autistic people everywhere. Yeah. And there's not enough training for people that are having to be um, of, you know, service to them on a daily basis that, there's, I don't even think there would be enough professionals to be able to hire mm-hmm. in to do it. So it's going yeah. to take the parents, the caregivers, exactly. you know, to be able yeah. to do this. And, you know, I'm so lucky here. I have um, a really great advocate here with me in Utah, Natalie Castro. She does real estate um autism, sorry, autism, real estate, and she does sensory designs for kiddos rooms, which is just incredible. And she has created training um, programs for emergency responders. She's gone to several police departments in our areas and um, in the cities that she's at. And just in fact, sent me an email this morning and said, hey, we need to get your city's police department ready for their training so that we can get them going. And a hundred percent, I'm going to be there with her. I'm going to do it with her. I'm going to help train my own city's police department for autism. And what an honor to be able to do that. And for them and, you know, hopefully share the kits with them, have enough to be able to, you know, give to them. And whenever I do, uh, there's a couple times where I've just stopped at the fire departments and I've given them some kits. Or if I see a police not in action, <laughs> you know, give yeah. give it to them and, and just say, hey, this is, you know, something I'm trying to build in the community. And so, yeah, I, I think that it's really important that we, as um, as parents, you know, when we find out things that we can do to help. I love to, to be of service to my community and to others. And so for me, it's not even like a question. It's how can I do it? And how can I do it faster? How can I get a louder voice? Like how can, like all of the things, right? Like, oh, so it, you know, it's in, in here in Utah in the last maybe six months, we've had two fatal bullying incidences. And one of them was someone on the spectrum and their children. And it's devastating. It's devastating. And there's not enough what can be done. Like, I don't need to switch the conversation up on you, but it's so, no, you know, like that is, is once again, like, how can I have a louder voice? How can I get into all of the schools in my area and, you know, run anti-bullying campaigns for everyone. Um, it's something I just, I really want to be a part of changing and making things better. Absolutely. No, and I mean, don't worry about changing the conversation. I love flowing <laughs> with conversation. And honestly, it paints the entire picture because, yeah. you know, we were talking early on just about how, you know, you stayed home, you wasn't, doing things for yourself. These, I mean, you're a very inspirational person and you can tell you have all the ideas like I do. And so you got to think about for the longest time, you wasn't able to act on any of those. You know what I mean? So I think it's amazing to tell this part of it because it still paints that entire picture that, you know, no matter kind of where you're at today, that it's important to start to think about, okay, what am I dreaming of doing? What are, what are the things that I'm inspired by? You know, do I want to help my community? Do I want to, you know, whatever the case is, uh, you know, it's, you don't have to be identified by 
anything that goes on in your life. You can still be your own person. And I think it's actually so important to do so as a parent, um, just because it's so easy to lose ourselves mm-hmm. in how much we love our children that one day we don't even recognize who we are anymore. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And it really took a a lot of self-confidence and a lot of understanding that the things I was saying to people, the, the, the guests I was having, the fact that I was able to have people with PhDs on my show and hold these amazing conversations, yet I don't have a PhD. It doesn't lessen my ability to think on their level just because I didn't acquire degrees to go talk to people or learn something. It doesn't diminish the experience experiences I've had in my life to get me to where I am today. And um, I am an outside of the box thinker. I definitely in all arguments am highly neurodiverse. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, would love to maybe seek out that for myself someday and then be able to even self-advocate. That would be incredible. But even if that, you know, never happens or never comes It's always important to me to see that I have had an experience just like you. I have uh, an adult child as well as children that are still in elementary school. And I'm able to see, okay, with this adult child, you know, I was this age when they were raised. I made these decisions based on my own parenting from my own parents. And what went wrong? And here I have kids a decade later, and now I'm able to go, okay, yeah, we're not going to do that again because look how much that made this poor child struggle. You know, look how much she went through because we wouldn't let her dye her hair, because we wouldn't let her get the earrings, because we wouldn't let her get the the high tops or the crop top, whatever, right? The, The most ridiculous things that you stifle and restrict and stop from in expressing themselves and then they don't have the chance to and they hold it down and down and down and then guess what it explodes <laughs> and and then they become of age and they're reliving their childhood in their adulthood and you're like oh why 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 didn't I just let them dye their hair? Why didn't I just let them, you know, be friends with the girl up the street that didn't go to church? Like who cares? Like at this point, and I mean, I don't mean that disrespectfully to any families that have those boundaries, but for us, I see the error in our ways. I, and I've sat her down. She's 22. I sat her down. I've apologized. I've said, let me know what you see that we could have done better so that I can do a better job with these next two on on the, you know, coming around. And luckily she's been so loving and understanding and accepted kind of that we were coming from a place of not knowing how to be a parent because it was our first time and she's a step, she's my stepdaughter. So I really felt this sense of, I have to be perfect. I have to be strict. I, she can't, get away with yeah. these things. She has to da, 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 da. And it was just this stifling. <laughs> like you were afraid of failure, right? Yeah, right? And so now I see in my own, you know, biological kiddos, number one, our son doesn't have the, you know, he has the capacity to do physics and speak Japanese, yet he does not have the capacity to um, 
go do a chore without a step-by-step checklist. He does not have the capacity to sit in a classroom with other children and learn at the same level that they are. We have to make accommodations in our home. And we have. And now that I I have this um, perspective to see, okay, you know, making this one go to bed every night at a certain time. And then when she's an adult finding out, oh my gosh, I stayed up all the time and I watched TV at night and I snuck this into my room and then, and then, and what? You know, and then I'm like, yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> How can I try to not have it happen the second time around? So what do I do? I give my 10 year old all of the things. Want to dye your hair? Let's go get those temporary little wax dyes. You could have 12 different colors in your hair this afternoon. Let's do, you know, let's go get earrings. You want earrings? Okay, great. Let's get the earrings. You know what? Pick out your own clothes. What do you like to wear? What's your favorite thing to do? Like who are the friends you want to be friends with? Okay. Well, yes, you were bullied by this group of people or they were mean to you. Do you want to continue to be friends with them? This is a choice you're going to have to make now. Not, you can't be friends with those kids because I don't like the way they act. But guess what? She now has real world knowledge of what a hater feels like, of what it's like to be out there and to be the sweet, kind person and to be hated on and to be called. Still within a safe zone. Exactly. In a safe place where she can come home and we can work it out and we can talk about it. We can communicate in the great way that we do as our family. And it's made a difference, a huge, huge difference in the world. You know, yeah, you want to try staying up all night? Go for it. She did it for a week. Guess what? She was the loneliest kid in the world. Like, there's no one to talk to at 3 a.m. Well, okay, now you know. Now you know. Are you going to do it again? Probably not. You're going to stay. And these are all things that are making her an independent individual. I'm not forcing her to become a person. I'm allowing her to grow and to be this person that she wants to be and that she feels the right way to be inside. And she's wise, Maria, wiser than, I mean, don't tell her, but sometimes we call her Grandma Karen. Okay. <laughs> That's perfect. I love Grandma Karen. Well, and I, I love that they put that out like that because, I mean, I – Obviously, I, like you said, I have older kids and I have younger kids and I, my older kids are you know, 23, almost 22 and almost 20. So they tease me all the time about how the younger kids get away with everything and yada, yada, yada. They tease me about it. Yeah. And I always tell them like, you all were guinea pig kids. I had no yeah. idea. Exactly. Like, I mean, I didn't, you said it. It was like, I mean, I was young, you know, and I did the same thing, mimicked you know, my own childhood yeah. and, and my parents did the best that they could with what they knew, just like I was doing with my kids. Yeah. But it's like one of those things when you know better, you do better. And some of the stuff, you, you know, you do, you figure out, it's like, it was not worth the argument. It was not worth the yeah. rules. And the whole reason I was, you know, being the helicopter bomb that I now know that I was at that moment, number one, it didn't even work because my older, <laughs> my oldest daughter's 23, she tells me all the stuff that she did that I had. Exactly. I don't even know how she got by with it because I was God. so strict whatever but I mean it's like kind of one of those things that it did number one didn't work number two it was because I was so scared I was so scared that I was going to mess up and I was going to mess up and she was going to be forever harmed and it was going to be my fault and it really wasn't 
anything to do with her or you know the other two other ones but it was it was more to do with my fear of failure yeah and you know not that I you know don't still have a little bit of that I mean I want my kids to be happy healthy all the things but I figured out through trial and error that number one I can't save them from hurt yeah I can't and I mean that's terrible but it is and you learn how to kind of except that it helps them. It, it's horrible. It's what you don't want them to go through it, but it really does. You know, my husband has a wonderful analogy for parenthood. I just absolutely love it. And that is that we are like a bow and our children are like the arrow and we could be the most amazingly crafted, you know, bow with all of the bells and whistles and fantastics. And so can she, she can be this incredible arrow with the most, you know, pointiest point and all of the things. But when we shoot that bow, when we shoot the arrow through our bow and it is released into the world, anything can change that trajectory, anything. It can be the wind. It could be a rock flies up, a bird flies up, but anything can change. An earthquake? I don't know, right? <laughs> Just anything can change. And so you can't change the, traje- the trajectory of that arrow after you've let it go. You've just got to appreciate where it lands, right? And so it's the same with kids. Like we can give them and give them and try and build them up and give them all this stuff. But once they become adults, they can choose to keep that or strip it off them. They can choose to dye their hair green and, you know, work in whatever, do whatever. Or they can feel free to have been able to express themselves enough through their lives that once they get into, you know, society, it's a smoother transition. So. No, I mean, I love that. I love that analogy. That's an amazing analogy. He needs to like write that down. Cause I mean, I think it's perfect. It's a perfect <laughs> analogy. And you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, as mothers, as, you know, fathers, as caregivers, you know, we are, we have a, a large job, but we also are so hard on ourselves and we don't give ourselves the grace and the ability to realize that we don't have to be perfect to love them. We don't have to be perfect to be a good parent. We don't, we just don't have to be perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is realizing that, you know, you can have your own things that you want to do. You know, you can have your own goals, your own aspirations, your own dreams, and you can focus on those. And then you can pivot back and focus on your children's needs and pivot back and focus on your own mm-hmm. needs. And actually that is the most healthy way. I did not do that for the longest time. I thought the same way that I had been raised. My mom was pretty much a martyr to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was I, like, I, I, and I was talking to Stacy Price uh, about this yesterday that, you know, if someone would have asked me what my mom's hobbies were, and I couldn't even tell you because I never seen her do anything for mm-hmm. herself. It was wow. for my dad. It was for us kids. And so I mimicked that early yeah. on because I just thought that's what you did. You have kids, you give your heart, soul, life, everything as a martyr to your kids. But the problem is, is that it takes something from you and you can't show up as your best person if there's a piece of you that is being locked away. Mm-hmm. And I struggled with that for the longest time. And I know a lot of women struggle with this as well as you almost feel guilty when you start doing something that you want to do. Yeah. But you know what? You make, yeah. She makes you a better person. 
And I think that showing your kids the most human side of yourself is really the best way to show them how to be a best human themselves too. And it's hard because when I, you know, I just posted something the other day about listening to kids and saying sorry to your kid and saying, you know, admitting when you're wrong and especially to your kid uh, because they need to see that you have, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you can, yeah, you can accept Yeah, you're not perfect that you can accept and and that you can admit your faults because, um, yeah, it's, it's embarrassing when you're, you know, realize that you've been wrong about something. The best thing we can do for our kids is give them the strength and the courage to combat that embarrassment with like a sense of, um, humility rather than uh, run away from that, be afraid of that, shove that down deeper, you know, not experience the whole thing. It's best to sometimes feel it out, right. To accept that you had those feelings, to accept that you were embarrassed by that and then help them strategize ways to communicate around those things. But I think it's all really about communication and that's a hard, it's hard when you don't have the tools or you haven't been given the tools. So yeah, I think that it's, it's, you can find the tools. You can, you have, and you have to be willing, you have to be willing, right. To, to find them and to, to get the information because there's a lot of great information out there. Yeah. You just like, you have, you have to be willing to accept it and want it. Right. I love that. I I do want to have you mentioned everybody where they can find you. I know you're very active on TikTok. Um, you can also mention all the other things that where people can find you to be able yeah. to reach out um, and your your advocacy group. Ooh, I can say the word now for whatever Yay. reason. Yay! Yeah. yeah, thank you. Um, sjchilds.org is the website where you can find the books and the podcast. Of course, podcast is on all the podcast platforms and on YouTube. It is a video cast as well. So you can come see my smiling face. Um, and then I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, I'm trying to think I'm, I'm trying to get onto a couple, you know, new platforms here and there, but not really on Twitter too much. So sorry, Twitter I fans, Twitter, but I, really... <laughs> I just like never figured it out. I guess it was, I'm, it, I'm it, technically it on there. Enough. I just forget. It wasn't, <laughs> it, they don't let me type enough. And so yeah. I was just like, sorry, I can't squish yeah. enough words worried. into this. sentence. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. I would have like something written and they're like, nope. I'm like, yeah. ah. yeah, 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 that was, that's amazing. Extra too many characters. So yeah. It makes me wonder because podcasters are known for being very wordy. So it makes me wonder how some of these other podcasters get away with it. Cause I, I, I struggle with that. I yeah. struggle so hard with that. Yeah, Cause I want to say like this much, right. Yep. <laughs> I'm just like, how do you condense it all yeah. into there? It just baffles me. But, I know. Thank goodness uh, for Canva. It's the only way yeah. I can Instagram because I'm not like a picture video taker. And so I'm constantly just like, making my own graphics to be able to share my, my message on there. So yeah, whatever it it takes. Right. So I'll make sure that everything that Sarah just, all the things, all the places that she (laughs) is, I'll make sure all of that is in the show notes when this airs and make sure that you look up SJ child's podcast, subscribe, listen to her amazing episodes and follow Mm -hmm. her on all the places. I've, I've loved having you on. I always love having you on. 
And um, yeah, I've actually like Stacy Price texted me a minute ago. I forgot to turn my lights on. So if you see how dark I am, I'm very oh. sorry. <laughs> so I didn't even realize she's like, turn your lights on. I'm like, it's too late now. It's way yeah, right? there. <laughs> I didn't even realize it. So I told so her I was, I, was, I was being mysterious in movie today. There you so, go. So yeah, that's how that Setting gets. But it's, it's been great. Yeah. And we'll be back again live next Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with another episode of Successfully Chaotic. And Make sure that if you are watching this episode in a replay, you hashtag replay in the comments because we love to see that. And click likes, click subscribe, and see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Life is a wine.